The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. The Supreme Court has announced it will take up a case next term that could potentially strip federal agencies of some of their powers. The case, Loper Enterprises versus Raimondo, seeks to overturn a nearly 40-year-old legal precedent known as Chevron deference. It directs courts to defer to federal agencies when interpreting unclear laws. The Chevron deference has been targeted by conservatives, and they believe it gives too much power to agencies and the executive branch. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, that's a big story, and it will have implications for federal bureaucracy in the days ahead. That's for sure. Supreme Court heard a big case today. Um, Some herring fishermen, if you haven't been following this, you're not aware what's going on. They actually sued the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Agency, known as NOAA, and ordered them to pay for inspectors being on their boats. Right? It's kind of weird. But uh, the, the law NOAA cited specifically excludes the herring fishermen from having to do that. But under a previous Supreme Court ruling known as, uh, by shorthand, as Chevron judges, um, basically judges are supposed to give deference to these particular agencies. That's how it's supposed to shake out rather than go by what the law says. So the fishermen are challenging the ruling, and they're asking the uh, the court to overturn it. Here's a quick summary of uh, what's going down. They'll explain it a lot better than I can. So this boat has three Yamaha 300s. It can go 65 miles an hour. No one is going to want to get on this boat and only go 10 knots. You're absolutely right. That's the reason they come to us. They pay for the speed. Freddie Gamboa owns a charter boat business in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. A new regulation proposed by the Biden administration under the auspices of NOAA would limit all boats over 35 feet to a speed of 10 knots for as long as seven months out of the year and up to 100 miles off the East Coast in order, they say, to protect the endangered right whale. So you have two boats here, that one, this one. Unfortunately, both are over 35 feet. Yes, the uh, loss would be devastating for us. We would lose a third of our trips, which is almost 70 trips, to the tune of almost $150,000 loss to my business. But it's not just boat captains who are worried. Much of the town here in Point Pleasant relies on boating tourism for its livelihood, including the hotels, the restaurants, and of course, the fishing supply store. So if people aren't walking through my doors, then we're gonna be out of business. So, you know, it's interesting because that's just one example. I, I've heard others of other fishermen that are out there and the, the things that are, the government is mandating, they put on their boats at their expense to make sure that they're following uh, this type of thing. We'll see what happens. They're challenging this in the court to overturn it. If the court does, it could also have an impact, believe it or not, on the Little Sisters of the Poor case because they're challenging the court to overturn Chevron. And again, that's the, uh, that's, well, how do I, how do I explain this? Um, basically, what the Little Sisters want to do is they, they want them to adopt a, a rule of decision that would ensure that the regulators can no longer use their power to run roughshod over religious believers. And um, like I said, this will affect everything from fishing to religious organizations. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, the case might be good news, uh, but yesterday the court rejected a case from Indiana that had major uh, implication for public schools on transgender cases. The Seventh Circuit 
ruled that a school could stop a girl who claims she's a boy from using the ba- the boy's bathroom. And the school appealed to the Supreme Court. They were turned down. Uh, they turned the case down without any, any explanation. Why? I don't know. I was talking to somebody about it the other day, and they said, well, maybe because the court's so divided amongst themselves even on the issue. I, I don't know. Uh, the This initiative is not going to go away. There's going to be a lot more of it in the days ahead. What was the other term we just heard, Maggie? Was it heteronormative or what? Well, it was weird. It was like some of the terminology is now being used. Maggie said to me, what's that mean? You know, it's just we live in a different world. We do. We live in a different world where the courts are now getting involved in whether or not somebody can use a bathroom. So um, the Sun reported that on Monday, the British Defense Secretary, Grant Schnapps, he said in a speech that the world faces the prospect of World War III in the next five years. So I saw this this headline. Let me see if I can pull it up over here on my computer. This is the headline that grabbed my attention. Let me see if I can get it. Uh, where was it? Uh, here it is. British Defense Secretary. Prepare for war. That's what he said. Here, here's a little bit of audio. Check this out. Now is the time for all allied and democratic nations across the world to do the same thing and ensure their defense spending is growing too. Because, as discussed, the era of the peace dividend is over. In five years' time, we could be looking at multiple theaters, including Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea. Ask yourself, looking at today's conflicts across the world, is it more likely that that number grows or reduces? I suspect we all know the answer. It's likely to grow. So 2024 must mark an inflection point. For Ukraine, this will be a year when the fate of their nation may well be decided. For the world, this will be the greatest democratic year in history, with nearly half of the world's population actually going to the polls. And for the UK, it must also be a moment to decide the future of our national defences. I think what he said was really quite telling, especially in the very beginning where he says... um, where are we right now, you know, and where do you see us within the next few years? Um, are we heading towards greater peace or are we heading to war? He, he proposes that we might be at war within five years, a yeah, prospect of a, a world war within the next five years. You've got North Korea, you've got Iran, you've got China, you've got Russia, right? They're all causing problems. And, and he went on, he said, look, the era of peace that's over. The aura of, of, of the peace dividend is over. And he says, yet despite the fact that, you know, um, you know, no one has the intention of trying to increase or, you know, attack Britain right now, the, the, um, there are army numbers, by the way, just as a side note, is about 73,000 members. It's the lowest since it was since 1724, but they're saying, look, we, we need to, we need to be aware of what might happen. Um, you know, the Romans had an adage, if you want peace, you prepare for war. Right, the U.S. Uh, our numbers are down in terms of recruitment. We're seeing greater conflicts all over the planet right now, and I just think, and I hope, I pray for peace every day. I really do. I pray for peace every single solitary day, without fail. Um, but I, I just look at the spiritual aspects of what's going on in the world right now too, and I just think we're rejecting God at every level. Right, we're, we're destroying life. We're twisting gender. We are defaming marriage. I mean, we are just totally, totally rejecting 
God in every possible way. The sins of today have got to be equal to, if not greater than that, of Sodom and Gomorrah. And what happens? God sent prophets in the in the old days to to warn the people to amend their lives and to do penance and to return to him. Today we have another prophet, a modern-day prophet, not just saints like St. Faustine and others who who bring us this message, but the mother of God. Jesus is going so far as to send his own mother. She's appearing in every habitable continent. There are more reported apparitions today than ever before. And these always were a, uh, they always presaged, if you will, times of trouble for humanity. There were apparitions before the, the bubonic plague, before the French Revolution, before massive world wars. I mean, take a look at what happened during Fatima. Take a look at the 20th century. Today, unlike any other time, God is calling his mother. Uh, he's sending his mother to call us, to pray, to amend our lives, to fast, to return to God, to abandon sin. And if we fail to respond to that, just like the seers in Kibeho, Rwanda warned, we might see the results of that. Um, you know, war could have been avoided if the world responded early to the Virgin Mary and Fatima. But we saw what happened. I and mean, today I, I'm very fearful that that way we look at numbers, um, the world's rejecting God and they are they're they're drifting from church. They're they're, they're certainly not praying. And if we continue to to take that path, then we're going to drift right into war. That's what's going to happen. You drift from God, you're going to drift into chaos. And um, today we have power, destructive power, unlike anything we've ever seen before. So I just invite you to pray. I just, you know, when when you've got um, high-ranking officials from Britain, the British Defense Secretary, Grant Schnapps, um, warning that there could be a third world war. I think we have to take it seriously. I'm not here to scare you. I'm just I'm here to invite you to prayer because we can invert all this. This does not have to happen. Does not have to happen. Uh, and then you know, of course, you, know, you see what happened right with the U.S. Navy. Right, they seized a ship last week off the coast of Somalia that was carrying advanced Iranian-made ballistic missiles and cruise missile components. And uh, two Navy SEALs uh, are now missing. One went overboard, and the way the Navy SEALs work, if one guy goes over. Another SEAL's got to go in with them, right? Time is running short for them. The military's still searching for them. So also say a prayer for, for them. I mean, we've got all this conflict uh, over there in the Middle East. Um, you know, there was a general who I was reading this morning. He says this is another example of how Iran is actively sowing instability throughout that region. And this is a powder keg. The Middle East is an area you got to keep your eyes on and you got to pray for it because things can go wrong pretty quickly there. Um, you know, the, the example of Iran, what, what they're doing, uh, you know, firing missiles into Syria and Iraq, they fired into Pakistan. Uh, they allegedly are targeting Iranian terrorists, but Iraq and Pakistan, they're not happy with it. And tensions in the Middle East are getting worse and the whole world will get embroiled in that conflict. Believe me. Uh, we still have Israel going after Hamas. So, uh, anyway, enough on the war. <laughs> You know what's going on. I, I I I look at the administration too. Just as another side note, I look at where we are. I don't remember a time when the world was this unstable, right? And I, I I didn't intend to talk about this, but I'll just continue to pontificate for a moment. And I said to my wife last night, I said, and I'm not here advocating for any candidate. I'm just saying, look at two presidencies, right? You know, and and you have got two guys who are going to run against each other again. And let's just not, let's take their ideologies out, you know, this transgender stuff and all the rest. Just take a look at national security. You know, was the country safer? Uh, Was illegal immigration down? 
Uh, were there less wars? Was the economy more robust uh, under whose administration? You know, and, and where are we heading right now? Where are we going? Um, I don't know. We're going to have big decisions to make in about 11 months. So I'm going to ask you to really do your due diligence and pray that God gives us the right leaders. You know, I think sometimes the people get the leaders they deserve. And as a result of that, there's consequence that follows. Anyway, a lot to get into here today, too. And I, there's a few other news stories, but I, I, I'm going to um, I want to change gears. I want to talk about something a, a little bit. Well, let me, how about a good piece of good news? Then I want to talk a little bit about where we are with uh, with marijuana and and with pot as well, because uh, there's some some movements being made right now uh, towards um, uh, descheduling marijuana as we know it, and that's a pretty big uh, bit of news. And we'll we'll talk about the benefits of it in terms of federal health. I mean, um, we may reclassify marijuana from a Schedule One drug to a Schedule Three drug. And uh, Dr. Kathleen Birchelman is going to be stopping by. We'll, we'll talk to her about the benefits of it. Let's talk about the morality of it. Let's talk about where it's going. But a little bit of good news for you if you're a parent out there and having kids. I just saw a story that Congress wants to expand the child tax credit. So there's a bipartisan bill that's being proposed that would make the credit like what was implemented in 2021 during the pandemic. And uh, about 90% of the 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 changes proposed for this tax credit, they're aimed at, expand, at expanding how much low-income families can receive, and that will include families who don't make enough to get the child tax credit. So Republicans are supporting the bill. Still going to have a tough time, though, getting through Congress, so we'll see what happens. But that's something that uh, is making its way through and could potentially uh, help a lot of people. Uh, this marijuana issue, and I don't know what state you're listening to me in, but uh, marijuana is becoming, recreational marijuana is becoming you know, legal in, in state after state after state. And the marketers of marijuana um, are pretty happy about that, right? Um, you, you know, it's a lot of people have bought it illegally. Um, uh, there's a lot of money to be made from this. And um, last week, the Department of Health and Human Services announced that they're now looking at lowering uh, its placement on the federal schedule. Uh, right now, it is Schedule 1, along with other drugs like heroin. So does marijuana belong in the same category as heroin? A lot of people would say no. Um, you know, drugs that have no medical purpose. Uh, but after they've done a lot of studies into this, um, they want to bring it down to a Schedule 3 drug, which would make it things like, uh, you know, ketamine or testosterone or things along those lines. But the HHS apparently... Um, they haven't looked at all the data yet. Now, this is what I want to talk with Dr. Bertelman about. Or maybe they're ignoring it. I want to talk about data that suggests that more people who use marijuana are having psychotic episodes. Now, it's, it's to me, it's very interesting because in some cases, particularly in young, and, and you know, the brain's still developing, we talk about this a lot, it can lead to permanent psychiatric disorders. Um, there was a uh, an analytic firm called Truveta and they found that the rate of people showing up in ERs, right, having to go to the emergency room because of marijuana-induced psychosis has increased more than 50% between 2019 and, and 2020. Uh, and the rate is continuing to climb. I, I, another bit of data I saw, it, it climbed last year as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm willing to bet that more states, you know, when they begin to legalize recreational marijuana, we're going to see those numbers go up even higher. That's because the marijuana, the level of THC in, in pot today is so 
high. It really is. It's really high, and it affects everybody a little bit differently. Uh, you know, you heard people saying, "Oh, the weed that you smoke today is not your grandfather's weed, or it's not the stuff it used to be." And um, yes, because the THC content—that's the active ingredient in marijuana—is reaching levels of eighty percent or more. So, Doctor Drew Pinsky, i don't know if you've ever seen him. He's a you know, he's, was the love doctor. He had a radio show. He's a commentator, does a lot of drug rehab, things along those lines. Uh, he reported that people who have had at least one psychotic episode after using cannabis are almost 50% more likely to develop, now listen to this, this is kind of a scary thought, schizophrenia or bipolar disorders. That's Dr. That's Dr. Uh, Drew saying that. And, and again, the risk is even higher for teens and for young adults. So he said they're seeing cases right now where people are coming into the ER and they just can't stop throwing up. Can't, I, I'm joined right now. We could talk a lot. There's so much more data here, but let me bring in Dr. Bertelman to the conversation. Uh, she's the founder of MyCatholicDoctor.com, and you can check her out at that website as well. It's a telehealth virtual care organization that brings faithful physicians and other healthcare professionals to you, wherever you are. You can open your smartphone or your tablet or your computer and tap into their expertise. She's done a lot of research on marijuana when she was at the uh, NIH, the National Institute of Health. She's been with me in the past. We've talked everything about the morality of its use uh, to what it does to uh, you know psychosis and mental disorders and so much more. Doctor, it's great to have you with us. Good afternoon. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Well, there's a lot to get into. And of course, I'll open the phones. Anyone can join us if they want at 888-914-9149. But I guess I'm confused. I mean, it, these studies are showing that kids um, are suffering these grave consequences, right? I mean, psychotic events. And you've got Dr. Drew Pinsky. You've got a lot of others. Bipolar disorders, schizophrenia, uncontrollable vomiting. Um, what's the motive behind the HHS looking to remove it from, from Schedule 1? I mean, what, what, is there something driving that? Uh, is, are these other cases I just referenced? Are they anomalies? What are you seeing in terms of the big picture? Yeah, so the... Government's classification of marijuana has been heavily political for a very long time, for decades. And I think there's a recognition that there's a, a discordance between so many states that have legalized this drug and the government's classification of it uh, as a, a very dangerous drug. And so it makes the government's classification look like a laughing stock, mm. really. And I think that's why there's some attention finally to reclassifying the drug. I have always felt that um, marijuana is and, and marijuana derivatives are a drug that needs to be controlled, but it is a drug with some appropriate medical uses. Uh, so even I would, uh, you know, would, would not have classified marijuana the way that the government has. Now, I want to be clear that, that as a physician, I understand that every single medication out there has a risk and a benefit and that marijuana has significant risks and some benefits. And there's some places where there is appropriate medical use for marijuana and its derivatives, um, but that doesn't suddenly mean it's safe and should be legalized. Yeah, well, let, let's talk about that for a moment. I think that is a that's a good point. Let's talk about the benefits of it. So often people hear about the negative aspects of it, and I know there's credible scientific support for for the treatment of pain, 
a lot of cancer patients like it and, and other people who have got chronic pain. Uh, anorexia, uh, chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, people say marijuana is really good for. Um, you, you know, I have even heard in the past, I don't know how true this is, it's good for reducing your chance of glaucoma and other things along those lines. W- what are the benefits of marijuana? I mean, is it, is it, um, is it really about the dosage? I mean, making sure the THC is at a proper level, you know, not 80, 90, 100% THC in the weed that you're smoking or the edible you're, you're eating. Um, and what are the benefits of it? And can you use it in exactly. a responsible way? So I don't even like the term, you know, use in a responsible way. I mean, I think that, that it should be used as prescribed by a clinician, right? That's the only responsible way. And as a controlled substance, uh, you named most of the more uh, appropriate uses of THC. There's even, um, there's been some discussion of its use in some intractable seizure disorders too. I'm not as familiar with that data, um, but there's, so yes, there are, are times where it's appropriate, and I think the most common is the is, is cancer patients and both pain and the nausea associated with it. But it can, like any drug, it has its side effects. So we already discussed how we see in the ER just this intractable vomiting, and and I see this again and again and again, and usually young people that are coming in having developed a regular marijuana or THC use have it and then they develop intractable vomiting. So, you know, one of the benefits is a lack of, can be a lack of nausea, but with regular and increasing utilization, you actually go the other direction. You have intractable vomiting. So any medication has its risks and its benefits. And even in a cancer patient, you have to weigh the benefit versus the risk. And you have to look at other alternatives that may be available, other nausea vomiting agents, other pain agents, et cetera. And so uh, and, and that's a conversation that needs to be had between a, a patient and their doctor and and the medications need to be prescribed and dispensed by yeah. a pharmacy where you know exactly the dose that you're getting. My, my guest today, Dr. Kathleen Birchelman, if you want to join us, maybe you've had a bad experience, maybe you had a good experience, uh, maybe you use it for the treatment of pain, uh, maybe you're concerned about your kids, uh, feel free to dial in, uh, 888-914-914. 9149. I'll, I'll grab a call or two in just a few minutes, but 888 you can get in queue. Uh, you know, here's my concern with it. It's like, you know, uh, there was a study that was carried out in Britain. I forget. It was a couple of years ago. I think I saw this thing where they looked at the brains of 14 year olds who said they had only used uh, marijuana once or twice. And then they compared it to the brains of kids who had never used them. And they found that there were these strong and these very permanent changes in the brains of those who used it. And then, you know, what they did was was compare, you know, those ones and twosie users to 16-year-olds who had been smoking it for a while. And they found, well, that there really wasn't much difference between the two groups uh, at all. Um, what are the effects on the brain, especially a developing brain? And does the use of marijuana on a developing brain differ than somebody who's in their 40s or 50s that wants to smoke it? Yes, and I love how you use this term developing brain and, and differentiate it because the developing brain um, certainly does seem to respond to marijuana differently than an older brain. Um, there's just different side effects and, and different effects in general. Um, there, in particular, are these two problems in the developing brain of an increased risk of mental illness and psychosis. I see it regularly. Um, and also the risk of intractable vomiting. Then, and in an older adult, uh, there's different. They tend to have 
different um, psychiatric manifestations. You can still see psychosis in any age. Um, And so one of, but one of the things I always like to mention when talking about THC is how ubiquitous the THC receptor is throughout the whole human body. And we're talking about its effect on the brain, but the THC receptor is on almost every organ. I mean, it's in the GI tract, it's on the spleen, um, it's, um, it, it's even um, in the reproductive organs. And so we, that's not true of other kinds of um, receptors that we see throughout the body, right? Like they, they, for example, there's a lot of receptors we only see in the brain and we're not gonna see them in the spleen or the GI tract. But that THC that, and, uh, and receptor, the anandamide receptor, the anandamide receptor is very, um, it, it's just throughout the body. And, and so it's really important to recognize that any THC agent um, affects so many organs in your body. So yes, there can be psychosis. In, in what yes, ways though? I mean, the brain is one thing where you get the psychosis and, and some of these other disorders, but all those THC receptors, what what's that do to your, your vital organs or other parts of the body? Right. So there's effects on appetite and vomiting and digestion, which we've already discussed, right? And that's because the receptors are in the GI tract. Um, we know that uh, regular marijuana use impairs fertility in both men and wow. women. In men, it causes abnormal um, uh, a swimming of the sperm. So their wow. tails don't spin right. Um, and uh, in women, it can change the cervical mucus. To, so it, it to impair conception and fertility. So, um, you know, the drug has a effect throughout the body, and you may be using the drug um, because you are hoping to have certain benefits, right. whether those are legal or illegal. I right, mean, right. you may be seeking, you know, relief from anxiety, for example, but you are going to experience GI effects, reproductive effects as well as neurocognitive effects. I'll tell you, hold the thought. I had to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk more. I also want to talk about the morality of it. Uh, Is smoking pot immoral if it is legal? Uh, You're not breaking any civil law, right? Is it wrong to smoke uh, marijuana? How does it differ from having a cocktail or two, right? Alcohol can be intoxicating, right? There are limits to that as well. We'll look at that and a whole lot more. We'll take your calls too. If you're on hold, I'll be right with you. The number to get in, 888-914-9149. Talking today with Dr. Kathleen Birchelman about marijuana and the possible declassification of it here in the state. Stay with me. All the issues, all the topics, one place. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. In the world, but not of it. You're listening to Drew Mariani on Relevant Radio. Hey, good to be with little Bob Marley there for you. If you're just joining us, we are taking a look at uh, some news. The federal, some federal health uh, officials are now recommending that we reclassify marijuana from a Schedule One drug to a Schedule Three. And I've invited Dr. Kathleen. Uh, 
Birchelman has stopped by. She's from My Catholic Doctor. You can tap into their expertise at mycatholicdoctor.com. We're also seeing evidence right now that more teens who use marijuana are suffering from psychosis. And marijuana is now legal recreationally in a lot of states. And I guarantee you with the upcoming election, even more uh, states are probably going to come on board. That means your kid can get access to, to weed a lot easier than perhaps before. And um, it raises a lot of questions, both about the safety, the health, the cognitive development, as well as the morality of this. Um, you know, more potent cannabis, more frequent use is contributing, of course, to higher rates of psychosis, especially in young people, and that's a problem. But we'll also talk about the morality of it as well. Doctor, it's good to have you back. First, let's grab a few phone calls. I know several people have been waiting to, to join the conversation. If you want to get in, the number is 888-914-9149. We'll start in Sacramento, California. Hi, Francis. Oh, hi. Uh, this is a true story, and I haven't told it to anyone because I've been actually embarrassed and, and can't prove it. My divorce was a marijuana divorce because my husband became um, psychotic. And this was in the 1980s when um, apparently it wasn't as strong as it is now. I mean, it was strong. I mean, I can't imagine now. And he first started acting strange, and I started feeling afraid of him. What do you call that? Um and uh, I 51 would him, and he left because he got angry. And then about a year later when we were talking, he told me he was uh, schizophrenic and on medication, and he told me about his experiences. He felt he... We used to watch Star Trek, you know, this was the 1980s, and he told me he had hallucinations, and he was really scared that he was, like, in a space war. Yeah, and you think the marijuana was the driver behind that? Oh, yes, because he's... First of all, no one gets schizophrenic, well, the doctor would know, yeah. in their 40s. This was in the 1980s, and we were in our 40s. For, first of all, so, he smoked all the time. Let me let Dr. Bertelman jump in here, too. And, and she's not alone. I, I know a person who rolls out of bed in the morning, and with her coffee, uh, they smoke. They, I think they right. work the night shift somewhere. A little bit later in the day after lunch. They have one in the afternoon. Uh, they use it to, I mean, they smoke all throughout right. the day, right? Right. That's one person. I know another person who works a normal job and then uses it recreationally at the end of the day, likes to kayak or do whatever they do, right? They're in warmer climates and they just enjoy it. Um, and and I, I know that it seems like some people can use it and, and don't go psychotic, you know? And then there's other people who can't. I mean, what is it about that? Because this one guy uses it all the time. I don't know him to be depressed. I don't know him to have any other issues. In fact, I often share the story of a friend of mine who worked a high finance job, and he was such a type A personality. You know, he didn't drink. When his wife came home, she said she wanted him to smoke. She'd say, go smoke your thing. Calm down, right? And uh, he'd use it just to kind of get even keel. So, I mean, how, how does this work? Why does it affect different people differently? And can some people use it and, and not be affected by it like others? Well, I think, you know, everybody is affected by it. Um, again, these receptors are ubiquitous just throughout the body and on many different organs. And um, first, I want to thank Frances for sharing um, her very important story. I know that it must be very, it must uh, make you feel vulnerable to share that story, but it's such an important story, Frances, because 
Um, I think there's many people out there whose marriages have been affected by marijuana use and with the psychosis that can be associated with it. And, and probably many people like you who weren't able to um, see the connection between the marijuana and the mental illness. And, um, and it, it may not have been known. They may not have been able to help their spouse get the psychiatric care they need and the, um, you know, the, the drug abuse help that they need because the, the information just, just wasn't made available to them. So first, um, Francis, thank you for sharing. And I think we all need to um, um, be sympathetic and prayerful for so many people that suffer in this way and help get them to high quality medical care, including addiction care. You know, there is addiction medicine available, including Catholic addiction medicine. Uh, we have some addiction care available at mycatholicdoctor.com. There's also an excellent organization called Catholics in Recovery uh, that uh, is like is a, similar to um, other 12-step programs that integrates Catholic spirituality uh, and uh, and the sacraments. And I highly recommend Catholics in Recovery. And anybody in that situation, um, Francis, uh, you know, re- that Francis shared really needs yeah. to seek medical care and mental health care. So, Francis, thank you. Check out mycatholicdoctor.com. I'm sure there'll be more, more resources there as well. Thank you, doctor, for addressing that. Um, I want to go to, to Megan. She's a, a nurse and get her take, but just a quick uh, side note. Why does marijuana make some people paranoid and others not? And, and why does it right. wipe some people's memory and, and others not? Right. And, and you can say the same thing for a lot of other drugs, you know, or even viruses or illnesses. You know, why do some people get a cold on the day and somebody else gets the same virus and they're profoundly sick for 10 days, right? And um, there's a lot we don't understand. I mean, the short version of this is that um, some people's receptors are going to respond differently to the same drug as others. There's some people that, you know, take an opioid and they can't stop vomiting. They take a tiny, tiny dose, you know, for surgery or something, and they have intractable vomiting. There's other people that become addicted to opioids and never have nausea and vomiting. And so um, with any drug, you have to tailor that treatment to the individual. All right. Uh, Megan, thanks for waiting. She's listening in New Jersey. Hi. Hi. I'm I'm calling because I want to know the linkage um, from addiction to alcohol, then transferring to marijuana and then methamphetamines and uh, fentanyl. So can I rephrase that, Megan? Let me just ask Dr. Bertelman. Is weed a gateway drug? Is that kind of what you're saying, Doc? Or or Megan? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I I think the answer is yes. Definitely that there's some people will start with marijuana and then transition to additional drugs. But the real question is why, you know, why are people, what are they looking for in the drug? What are they trying to treat? And it's pain. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's emotional pain, psychiatric pain, physical pain. They're trying to treat their pain. And one drug isn't doing enough. And so they're going to the next. Right. And, so the better question isn't, is marijuana a gateway drug? The better question is, what is the pain? And, and can we find a better way to treat that pain? Hey, Megan, thank you. I appreciate your phone call. I'm going to move along just because the phones are pretty busy. Eddie is in Cape Coral, Florida, and is a vet. Hi, Eddie. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for taking the call. So, yes, I'm a veteran. I also live in Florida where I do have a medical marijuana card. 
I didn't start smoking until much later in life, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I don't feel any kind of adverse effects, I don't believe anyway. Mm-hmm. And then the morality behind it, too. You, those are my questions. Okay, so what happens if you start smoking later in life, doctor? Let's start with that one first for, for Eddie. And Eddie, thank you for calling. Thanks for your service, too, of course. Um, what happens if you start smoking later in, in life? And then I'll follow up on that with this, uh, doctor, after you answer that. What if somebody says, okay, I've been smoking, but I'm going to stop to do the negative effects reverse? Right. So we, so I'll start with question number two. We do know that using marijuana, even just once in your life, does seem to have increased your lifetime risk of certain um, psychiatric diagnoses. Wow. Um, and so, um, you know, you're, uh, you're only, uh, you know, we call it narcotic naive or, or THC naive once. And, you know, once you've had the drug, it does change you. Um, now let's um, go to the other question about what happens if you only start uh, later so in life. Well, um, I think the answer to this, and I have, as a disclaimer, I am a pediatrician and my experience is in treating young adults and, and children. Um, and I see a fair number of adolescents that use marijuana. Um, we know that any, as you age in general, the body tends to have a more sensitive reaction to many drugs that you're more likely to have certain side effects, including neurocognitive side effects, side effects, memory loss, agitation, et cetera. All humans lose a certain, uh, you know, lose neurons as they age, right? And, uh, and the brain tends to just be more sensitive to all drugs as, they, as you age and um, in general. So uh, uh, there's, THC is a drug and, and you're at higher risk of certain side effects as you age. So the morality aspect of this as well, for Eddie, we'll get into that. What makes drinking, you know, um, a cocktail or two um, different than just taking like one hit off of a, off of a joint, right? Or, or having an edible so you could relax or enjoy the sunset or, or, or whatever. Is there a difference between the consumption of another drug in liquid form like alcohol versus something like smoke or, or edibles like marijuana and THC? Yeah, it, it, and it's a question uh, that comes up all the time, like and comparing one drug to another, and is why is alcohol okay and marijuana is not? And certainly, that argument's been used throughout all the legalization efforts, right? And I think the better question to ask is, uh, what are you treating, and is an effective treatment? Um, so alcohol is also a lousy drug. I'll say that like it, it, um, there seems to be some cardiovascular benefit in certain populations. I have a very, if you drink a limited amount, but it quickly, if you go over that limited amount, it quickly become the side effects quickly become more of a problem than any benefits. So alcohol when used in very, in certain low doses can have certain benefits. And I, I think that, um, the same thing can be said. Um, about marijuana, that um, there's certain people that can use marijuana very safely, very low doses, and there's certain people that really can't ever use it. And the same thing can be said for alcohol. So is it immoral? Here's where the morality issue comes up. Uh, You know, you can have a glass of wine with dinner. You're not drunk. I don't think there's anything immoral about that at all. Um, If you smoke marijuana based on the THC levels that we've been talking about, 80% or, or higher, it's hard not to get high. And when a drug, let's say it damages your rationality, uh, when you put your state in a, fa- a situation where you lose you know, your rational faculty, 
that to me becomes immoral. But but give me your take on that. So can you delineate? Can we draw the line? Is one hit okay, or is marijuana always immoral to use based on that premise? Well, I think our, our, our my moral guide here is Jesus Christ, right? And Jesus Christ drank alcohol. He drank wine. Um, but he also warned against, um, you know, uh, drunkenness. And so I think you, Drew, you, you, you said it. You know, if you're drink, if you're using a drug where there's very limited, if any, noticeable cognitive change, um, then then you're probably using it responsibly. But can you use marijuana at such a low dose uh, that? And or spread it out over a period of time, that there's some uh, you know benefit to it, but there there's no uh, change in your cognitive abilities. Um, And I think that's a personal question each person has to ask. My guest today, Doctor Kathleen Birchman. I have to take another break. We have some people who are positive on 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 marijuana. Um, One says it helps them sleep. Somebody else self-medicates because they were depressed. Somebody else uh, grows their, their their own plants and they see the benefits of it. If you want to join us, the number here is 888-914-9149. Taking a look at everything from the health benefits to the declassification of it uh, in the country here to uh, the morality of marijuana. Feel free to sound off. Our conversation will continue with more right after this. We go there. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Chaplet of Divine Mercy, live, coming up. You're listening to The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, we're about 10 minutes away. We will pray together, of course, tell others and uh, have them uh, them join you in that prayer. Also, uh, if you've missed any of the conversation, feel free to go to our podcast. Maggie will have it up and you can listen to this conversation again. Maybe share it with your loved ones, your your children, your siblings. We're taking a look at marijuana today and uh, the federal government talking about, you know, moving it on the uh, federal schedule um, and uh, also the health benefits of it, the dangers of it, the uh, morality of it. And your calls are more than welcome. My guest today, Dr. Kathleen uh, Birchelman, she is the founder of My Catholic Doctor. Uh, she is a uh, pediatrician by training, but she also has done a lot of research on marijuana at the National Institutes of Health. And you can check out her organization. Go to mycatholicdoctor.com. That's mycatholicdoctor.com. And she brings really faithful physicians and other healthcare professionals to you via your uh, smartphone, tablet, or computer, so you don't have to leave the house. You can, you know, get plugged right into some of the best, and uh, you know, not not just minds, but the best morally formed physicians that are out there. Doctor, thanks for being here. Let's go right back to the phones. Uh, San Diego, California, is on deck. Janet is joining us there. Janet, hi. You're on the air with Doctor Birchelman. Hi. Thank you for taking my call, Drew. I appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I feel pretty strongly about this issue. Um, I'm a retired nurse, um, 72 years old. Back in the day, I'll make this as succinct as possible. Back in the day, uh, and I did inhale um, uh, pot when it was illegal and I was in college, but, you know, it was a short-lived thing because I had got into a responsible job and couldn't do that anymore. As I got older 
um, when I hit menopause, um, all of a sudden there was like a light switch that went on or off. Mm -hmm. I could not sleep past 3 o'clock in the morning for love nor money. I was taking Ambien and Benadryl and all kinds of other quote-unquote legal drugs. And I found, uh, and because I had read that there was a study that said that lack of sleep was one of the reasons that Alzheimer's was... um, so prevalent. So remembering my experience with marijuana and its soporific effects, um, I went and I got a medical, at that time it, we had to have a medical recommendation in California to do that, and I got a medical recommendation and I never, I, I tried smoking it again, but my goodness, I don't know what they're putting it in these days, but wow. I, I thought I would cough my head off and have a stroke. So I went to uh, gummies, and I've been taking 10 milligrams of gummies of indica. Not set, Sativa is the high, make, it makes you high. Sativa, uh, indica is what makes you sleep. So I take 10 milligrams of gummies be- when I go to bed. I go to sleep. I don't wake up. When I wake up in the morning, it's fabulous. I feel like a million bucks, and I don't have any loggy feeling, any feelings of anything. I've never had any kind of psychiatric issues. I've never had any physical issues. I've never had anything. As far as I'm concerned, God puts those things on this wor- mm-hmm. er- wor- earth for us to use responsibly, and it's our fault if we screw it up. Um, and we should same thing with coke. You know that was just in the coca leaves; those were yeah. mild, you know, things. And all of a sudden, we turned them into crack. And I, I think that there's a purpose for everything. And what we need to do is have the government study these things and find out what is in marijuana. Nobody studies it because. They, I'm sorry, I'm just. Well, yeah, let, let me let Dr. Brooksman jump in. She yeah. did study it at I the think... NIH. Jenny, you very eloquently you know, make a case for this as well. I know some people try CBD without the THC in their gummies to sleep, but the, the gummies certainly helped you. And it's not like you're driving or doing anything else, you're going to sleep. Dr. Birchman, you're, I'm you're going to bed. Your response to Janet. Yes, and I agree. The government, we do need more research on these things, and we do need research on. You know the different, you know, <clears throat> the different chemicals that make up the marijuana that is smoked, and how those drugs can be used effectively, prescribed by a doctor, and dispensed at a set dose, so that they can be used responsibly by um, people in conjunction with their clinician, understanding risk and benefit, right? And and yes, there's a very appropriate uses of these drugs, which is why I do support the government changing its classification. Um, I, I think this is a well-described, appropriate medical use of um, uh, some of the um, yeah. uh, components of marijuana. So, so do you agree that the drug should be decl- should be rescheduled with schedule? Uh- Schedule one or schedule three, I I'm should not, say. I, I do agree that it should be, you know, reclassified. Now, exactly which uh, yeah, which schedule is, is, is still quite contra- controversial, but um, I do support its appropriate. Do, do you see marijuana becoming legal across the country? I do. I think state after state is eventually going to going to come you know, that I way. think that's a, a greater political conversation, and um, <laughs> uh, I'm here to give my medical views, but okay. I think that in general, I think that, our country is we're seeing um, states that are more con- becoming, you know, there's a division. There's states that are con- more conservative on many issues and states that are more progressive on other issues. And I think that the conservative states will keep it illegal and the progressive states will. will, will, will I, I wonder if it. mental health issues will play a role in determining that, you know, if they're going to see greater psychosis or DUIs or other things or, or, or they won't. So, I mean, it. Um, I support more research on this, and I've always felt that way. I mean, it was just very when, when I was working at the NIH, um, you know, it was just really it was just you know brief, and it was it, um, 
before medical school, um, there was, you know, it's just really, really hard to even do the research because of its classification. And more research will, uh, and and especially also clinical research looking Mm -hmm. at the abuse, you know, the the effects of overuse um, will um, result in the pendulum swinging back the other way, I think, to more responsible use of this as a controlled medication and less recreational use of it. Um, but I, I, I think that's, um, you're going to see more of that in yeah. conservative states and progressive states are still going to, um, sort of, you know, support, no, I, let people do whatever they want. It's interesting in the Midwest, you've got Wisconsin that does not, has not legalized marijuana, but all the neighboring states around it, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, which surrounded recreational is legal there. So, so you're right. It comes down to their, you know, their, their legislature too. So in a lot of these different states, Mary's in California, her husband uh, smoked from 13 till 42. Mary, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Drew. Hey, thanks for joining us. Yes, um, he was a pretty consistent smoker every single day, two to three times a day. Um, Something that I never was okay with. Um, About two years ago, I decided to stop nagging and start praying. Mm. So I prayed with you a lot on Divine Mercy, and he just, that's when he dropped it completely. One day, I am done. Praise God, absolutely. He said, I am done. I could see now that I'm not present with the children and all of this. So it's, it's been pretty amazing. And he never has touched it again. Well, Mary, that's an once. amazing story. You got to sit down and write that to me and, and send it in. Yes, okay. I, I will. I will do that. I, I love all the different answer prayers that people get. And I say to parents all the time, Dr. Birchelman, who are children are struggling with drugs. Of course, we always want them to get the help they can, the professional help, but never give up on prayer because prayer can open doors. Prayer can bring healing. Prayer can take the scales off of our eyes. Doctor, I only have about a moment or two left. Um, Maggie, do you have time for another call or just some final thoughts? Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Mary has a question, uh, Patrick. Yes, said. I had a question. Go ahead, I'm Mary. Sorry. So I just wanted to ask the doctor um, for any damage that has been done, because he does say that he has trouble remembering names, um, can't remember mm-hmm. certain things. Is there any vitamins or exercises mm-hmm. or anything that does reverse that, the irritation, um, things like this? Right. I actually don't know the answer to that question. Of, you know, how, how can you undo damage? I, I, I can't. I like to give, you know, evidence-based data, and I don't, I don't have a good answer to that. In general, being, you know, you, 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 using your brain more helps you retain it. It's use it or lose it. So, you know, cognitive exercises, et cetera, are very important. Playing games, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, Dr. Birchland, thank you. My apologies, everyone is on hold, but I have probably less than a minute now to go. Final thoughts from you, and of course, uh, your wonderful website. Yeah, you know, if people are using marijuana and so many other drugs because there's pain. It's either emotional pain, um, medical pain, uh, uh, or even spiritual pain. And the answer here is to name it. Name the pain, name the problem, and then really look at your how to treat that body, mind, and spirit. And the answer is usually not marijuana. The best answer is usually a combination of other treatments, treating the body, mind, and spirit. And that's what we do at My Catholic Doctor. We're happy to see you for all of these conditions. Um, we have 170 plus clinicians offering services uh, throughout wow. the United States, at Doctor, Canada, Mexico, and the UK. Thank you. Check out mycatholicdoctor.com.